This is Eve Harrow on Rejuvenation for the Land of Israel Network, broadcasting from the Judean Hills. It is October 25th here, 2021, the 19th day of Cheshvan, 5782. And I'm on the line with Michael Fertig, whose book I read a few weeks ago called Hipset. And uh, it was a really great book, and he agreed to do an interview. So, uh, Michael, is it morning? Where is it? Where, where are you? Well, you find me today in Miami. It's 12.30 a.m. here. <laughs> okay, so this isn't going to be the longest interview I ever do. Oh, wait, one second. Crap, did I? Is it still? Oh, no, it's still recording. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Sorry. I've been cut that yeah, out. we're recording. We're recording. Uh, okay. Um in any case, tell us a little bit about you. I mean, you, you, this book is set in Israel. That I'm not giving, I'm going to be careful here because there's all kinds of twists and turns in the book that I don't want to give away because I want people to read it until they make it into the movie in any event. Um, but um, tell us, I just saw Dune last night. That, I mean, I must have read that book a very long time ago. Great movie, by the way. So, yeah, every once in a while, um, the movies in the book are, yeah. Uh, sync together but tell us um where do you like where's home for you well i live in palo alto california um, uh-huh. okay away from kids yeah we live there but it just so happens that i have uh, just attended my first in-person business conference in miami and is the first one i've attended in about two years like a like a lot of people right so Right. We're scheduled to fly back in a few hours, but I'm up. I'm up here. But we live in California. I'm from New York. Okay. My wife is from Boston, and our kids were born in California. They're ten and eight years old. Right. But you must have spent some significant time or some time in Israel, because, I mean, based on totally. the book, you, huh? Yes. Totally. Yeah. Totally. 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 So, um, for myself, I, I have done a lot of work in Israel. I was bar mitzvah in Israel. My my brother, not I, my brother made Aliyah and served in the IDF, um, oh. in the, in the Yael. And, um, I was, um, bar mitzvah there in part because I was living there at the time. And then as a, as in, in my adult life, <clears throat> I, um, have been a venture investor in a, a number of Israeli companies for about six years. Mm-hmm. And so before the pandemic, I was coming quite often to Israel. Right. And in fact, I started writing the book, Hipset, uh, one morning when I found myself at one of the beach bars on the Tayelet. And uh, and I have always loved the, the genre of noir, noir thrillers and noir detective stories. And I said, you know what? I want to write one and I want to put it right here in Tel Aviv. So that's the that's the genesis of it. And of course, as you, as you probably can tell, I'm a Zionist. I love this. I also think of the book as something of a love poem to Tel Aviv. Um, I'd love Jerusalem, but I also love Tel Aviv. And mm-hmm. the book sings the music of Tel Aviv. At least that's part of the intent of it is to give to give the reader who's not know Tel Aviv, uh, which so far most readers don't, um, a sense of the of the flavors, sights, and sounds, and smells of the city, which I like mm-hmm. so much. Is this your first book? Uh, it's not. It's it's um, not my first book, but it is my first detective noir. I love noir. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that uh, noir is one of the three great American art forms. And other people would disagree or, or have their own list. But that's my list is the Western movie, 
uh, jazz or hip hop music, that kind of genre from jazz and its progeny. And then I think the noir idea, which I think is a literary form, um, and it's, it's different from the salon detective, you know, Martha, Agatha Christie um, kind of thing. Um, it's different from the police procedural and so forth. Um, and it's about mood. And one of the things that makes noir successful is that it takes place in a city that has a lot of complexity, rich and poor together, uh, political change, socioeconomic transformation. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of different languages, diversity of different kinds, and and all the tension that those things create um, in the in the city, in a city, and that's why so much noir early was was taking place in Los Angeles in the '40s and '50s, in San Francisco in the '30s, '40s, and '50s, because that's what was going on in those places. You wanted but, to find noir for those who may not be familiar with. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. So so noir classically noir is some sort of mystery and the hero of the noir is is some kind of detective a police detective or a private detective or in our case there's a the tel aviv trio um and they have to solve a crime and then the hero of the noir is classically um in most cases not all cases of course but in most cases a man who is a man apart he's um someone who is incorruptible he is a man of our society but still apart he is one foot out of every conversation and that it makes him untouchable, it makes him unavailable, and it makes him incorruptible. And um, he is accessible to us, but not accessible to the other characters in the book. And that's part of why we like him. It's part of why we, we enjoy knowing him. And, uh, and I think noir is defined essentially by the mood. That's why we call it noir, which means black in French, or um, you probably have been many times to Cafe Noir in Tel Aviv, or many of your many of your readers will uh, will have been there, which is a schnitzel restaurant in Tel Aviv. Um, noir, of course, means black, and and it's intended to evoke the mood, uh, the dark mood um, of the protagonist and of the city in which in which he in which he inhabits and which he navigates to solve the crime. And I think that. Um, one of the very few places I can think of no better place now in the world uh, than Tel Aviv to, to set a noir because it is a city going rapid and marvelous transformation, right? It's a city that um, I can remember was a poor city in my lifetime and is now a very rich city with still poor parts, but that are quickly transforming and a city where you can hear a hundred different languages on the street corners and a city where the politics are very vivid, um, a city where you have, um, immigrants of different stripes and kinds and so forth. And so um, I, I wanted to set my noir story right smack dab in Tel Aviv, the Tel Aviv of today, mm -hmm. which is where Hipset takes place. And, and I, also, I also have a, you know, I've, I'm pretty familiar with, uh, with American literature that takes place in Israel. And, and I'm relatively familiar, I'd say, with Israeli literature, at least as, as, as it has been translated into English. Mm -hmm. And uh, there has been a gap for a number of years um, of, of American books that have taken place in Israel. And I think it's time for a new generation of American books to take place in Israel. And, and this is what I mean by that, Eve. So, so if you look at the history of American literature that takes place in Israel, basically falls into two big buckets. And you, you, may, you may or may not perfectly agree with this, but I think there's some, there's some power to these, this, this categorization. So there's a the first bucket is basically um, about 
uh, fiction that takes place in the biblical era of, of, right. of the land of Israel. And the second is, yeah, there's a lot of that, right? Yeah. And uh, Anita Diamonds is a great practitioner of that, for example. Um, and then there's a there's a second bucket, which is um, fiction that takes place in the what you might call the heroic age of Israel. So from 1948 plus or minus until plus or minus the Yom Kippur War, probably where Herman Woke and the others write books about this this incredible set of miracles against all impossible odds that the Israeli people pulled off to make the the, the land of Israel into a nation state. And Leon Uris and that whole genre. Yeah, Leon Uris. Leon Uris is exactly the right example. So, so, you know, and we have to acknowledge that a few things that Israel since, you know, Israel is now more of a fact than 50 years ago. It's here and it's, uh, I hope to God it's here to stay. And also um, uh, for better or worse, uh, Israel, and I think much for worse, Israel is no longer viewed as the plucky upstart by a, a relatively sympathetic world. It's unfortunately less sympathetic towards Israel as, as more of a powerful state now. And I think it's time for a new uh, literature that takes place in Israel as a real place where real people live that explains the Zionist idea and situates Israel as a Zionist expression that is a place where real people live, where, where good things happen, where bad things happen, where they live real lives. And so that's the secondary or, or other primary mission of the book is to present Israel as a real place, not just a, a place where the conflict, capital T, capital C, takes place that is dominated only by headlines from the, from the hard left or the hard right, but a real place. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want a new generation of literature from Americans to be situated in Israel, to take Israel seriously. In the same way that you see TV coming out of Israel is now on Netflix and so forth. I'd like to see American stuff situated in Israel that's very serious. So that's part of the project for me. So, I mean, a few things come to mind. One of them is, unfortunately, there's another category, which is very anti-Israel novels, or you mentioned Netflix. Most of the films, I would say, the Israeli-made films, do not cast Israel in a positive light. And um, so I think that perhaps then what you're doing, what you're trying to do, and I want to talk about that a little more in a minute, is even more important because Either way, there isn't balance. Either everybody was, you know, Ari Kanan from Exodus, right? Like these just incredible, almost mythical heroes that established a state. Or you have some really, you know, Israel's a country just like any other and things go wrong and people do not do great things. But I still believe that compared to everybody else, we still have nothing to be ashamed of. But you have a very negative cast that comes out. And unfortunately, many of the creative people or maybe a lot of the funding for the creativity, especially for the films, um, come from a very small sector of Israeli society who feel that it's their duty to show every flaw and to actually create an atmosphere where people do not like Israel. Like, what's your what's your feeling about that? Is your book a little pushback against that, perhaps? Well, I like I like the question. You know, you you might uh, you, I, you might find this funny, but I think some of the the sort of the least good advocates for Israel are Israelis. I mean, there's just sort of the. Well, I would agree like, with you. Just kind of yeah, you yes. just kind of want to ask them to like quiet down and let us do the job for you. So, um, but 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 at the same time, you're you're making a remark I think that's very trenchant about um, where the arts have gone. Uh, the the arts are almost reflexively left, and and in some sense. The, the arts have to be um, left because that's that's sort of the nature of things that the, the arts pull us along. But 
um, there's a there's a kind of um, uh, sort of chest beating and um, uh, self-flagellating leftism uh, in the arts that has that has unfortunately been reflected in many of our so-called mainstream media now. And I, and I don't think the left has any uh, lock on on the arts. And um, and I also I also I also regret immensely that that somehow the arts in the case of Israel is a left right issue. Um, but you know, but by the way, I do observe some of the things that I think you you observe, and um, and and let's face it, you know, Israel is more powerful than it was relative to its neighbors fifty years ago, and is going to be enjoying less of the underdog halo. And so, the stories of uh, sort of turning the desert into a a garden of Eden, rich yeah. agricultural success, right? right? That 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 moment is no is it's though it's still true it's no longer as miraculously fabulously novel, and so we have to show Israel of 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 the moment that it is a place where sympathetic mm-hmm. real human beings live and it's not just about um, some experience of a soldier who was refused Nick it's not just about the experience of um, a, you know a kind of cross border divorce or or forlorn love. And by the way, you know, there's there's a lot of Israeli literature that that um, that you know I think doesn't unfortunately do this job. There's a lot of very good Israeli literature, but yes, it's is. like the it's like the national yeah, but it's like the national literature of the United States. It's about divorces and drugs and the son who's you know who doesn't get out of bed in the morning and the, mm-hmm. the 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 you know the sin of two generations ago when someone had sex with someone they weren't supposed to, you know. And so that's the nature of that's the nature of homegrown literature. And I and I and I wish on some level that there was something about the book that had to take place in Israel that was essentially tied to the to the Eretz Israel. And Mm -hmm. the story of Hipset is a story that has its roots, as you know, in in biblical times. But there's no other place in the world that Hipset could have taken place. Right. It's it's rooted in. Yeah. The, the kind of moment of the Sudanese refugee population of Tel Aviv and Israel. It's rooted mm-hmm. in the, 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 the lore and history of the Tel Aviv police and so forth. It's not about the conflict. It's not about Israeli Arabs or Palestinians and, and Jews. It's not about that. There are many other books about these topics, but this is not one of them. And, and it, it needs to take place in Israel and it depends on Israel and Tel Aviv itself is a character in the book, full stop Shdam, it is a character. And, I think we need more of that, not less, right? You don't. We don't, I don't think we need another, yet another book that could equally take place in the suburbs of Marseille or the suburbs of Akron, Ohio, or the suburbs of Rishon Lezion. I think we need mm-hmm. more stuff that needs to take and demonstrate. Well, like how Dan Brown's it. books have to take place in Rome because the backdrop is, you know, all the art and and whatever's going on there and all the antiquities there. Right. Yeah, I mean, they have to take place in Rome. Like, they, they don't make sense in, yeah, they don't yeah. make sense in Ankar Watts, right? So Ankar Watts, another story for him, right? So that's right. That's exactly right. You, you need all the 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 symbology that he has that that is rooted in those in those locales. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. you know, we have we have as the Jewish people in Israel, we have an extremely special place that has both the benefit and the burden of history, and that history informs every interaction, right? It informs every sort of moment and sometimes more explicitly than others. But somehow, somehow we have yet again, as Jews, as people are interested in the future of the Jewish people, accidentally allowed other people to define what we're about. And right now, because we are somehow letting them, um, we are allowing a group of people uh, uh, 
to define us as or define Israel as a place that exists in conflict with the Palestinian people. And that is neither true nor the full story, nor worthy of our of our attention as we devote it. So so here, yes. So in insofar as I believe in a Zionist mission of telling the story of Israel more fully, more accurately, more beautifully, and more honestly. Yes, it is exactly part of the mission of Hipset. And insofar as, as, as I believe in noir, it's a good example of noir. It's a good book. And also, by the way, it's a good story. Like, I, you know, like the part of the contract <laughs> with the writer. With the reader, no, it's a page turner. Like, sure. you know, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, you gotta like the story. Like, you gotta like the story. And so, and by the way, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm 43. I'm of a generation of, of person who, who believes that part of the contract with the reader is you have to have a beginning, a complication, and then a solution. Like, like it's, you know, it's just not satisfactory <laughs> to have so many hanging chads at the end of a, of right. a book, especially a book that's a detective mi- mystery, right? Mm-hmm. And so as you, as you probably intuited, Eve, I think you read it carefully, I can tell already, you know, that we leave some, we leave some dangling ideas that could be picked up, God willing, in sequels, if I, if I can, right. if I can do that. But but uh, but the story itself wraps up. We know we know what happens. We know we know you know we know who the killer is. We know what happened to the guy, and we know who the victim is, which is a mystery at the beginning of the story as well. We mm-hmm. learn about our, our our characters. We 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 want to know more about them, um, and we set ourselves up as as the as as understanding we're beginning of a journey of these three people who are very special as 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 protagonists, and so. Um, and also, by the way, I want people to love Tel Aviv. I like, I mean, you know, um, unless you're a, a person of great historical interest or a person of, who has great historical interest or religious interest, Jerusalem may not may or may not be on your 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 bucket list as a, as a global citizen. Um, right. But 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 Tel Aviv is now grown into a world class city. And, oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'd like, I want people to see it. I want, you know, I want people to know it and love it. And, and it's uh, on the beach. And if they come to tell and it's on the beach. It's incredibly on the beach. It's a world-class city on the beach. And by the right. way, there's, there's the phrase that, you know, that Tel Avivians use, which is, is a world-class city on the beach that turns its back on the beach for some fakakta reason I can't understand. Um, huh. But uh, some, okay. for some reason, people want to live on Rothschild Boulevard more than on the Tayelet, which is nuts to me. I don't get it. But um, I don't get it either. You know, or or yeah. in the Florentine over there, where you would, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want your grandkids yeah. to live or whatever. That's where one of my daughters but, lives right now. Yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Of course she does. Right? Of course she does. Of course <laughs> for like a closet, but yeah, <laughs> it's another right. story. Right, right, right. right. But by the way, that closet used to be a closet where they where they hid all the the wigs for the wig shop. But now it's a now it's an expensive apartment closet, you know. Right. So, exactly. Uh, you know, it used to be the Schmata neighborhood. Um, so you know, you 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 know the city, and she knows the city well enough to know to see the transitions that are happening. And by the way, those transitions are both enlivening and still a little bit embarrassing, right? You have these gleaming towers where world figures are now buying apartments and right next to them there's this like rubbish bin lots that is treated like an open garbage dump by the neighbors yeah. for the last 30 years because it's been in some litigation between brothers or something you know that's usually the case or you have these and, like a house building these stunning buildings from the 1930s from the mandate period that are just like this little window into this type of architecture design and um those are getting fixed up slowly 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 but yeah it's um it's a city on the move you feel it you, you definitely and that that move that tension that's exactly right that tension 
that tension creates the atmosphere for where you want to write a book because right mm-hmm. you don't want you don't you know you want you want to that all that all that kinetic energy creates friction and friction is where our stories live and we find our stories of of, of murder in this case the, the the story opens the the book opens it opens with a murder mm-hmm. and the murder happens because of that friction and happens in the context of that friction right, right. if everyone's sort of homogeneous and everyone's got a, you know a fully funded pension and there's no reason everyone gets to you know you know a's and b's and goes to good colleges and has great jobs and lives in great apartments and has perfect you know marital lives then there's no murders well right? it's so, funny it's funny that you say that because what you just described is like the instagram snapshot which is a lie i mean most <laughs> I don't know if most of us actually realize that, that what we see on the surface of most people's lives is what they want us to see. And what I find amazing about Israel in general is you don't have that. You have some of that superficial level, but not nearly as much as I mean, I grew up in L.A., you know, this is not a Hollywood. Not a Hollywood set. So um, you still have that we call here Dugri like that 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 almost um, painful honesty sometimes um, because it's a it's a combination of the Middle East and the West. I don't know if there's another country like this anywhere that has absorbed so many different cultures and and still is in transition. It's really a, it's really a fascinating place in Tel Aviv would be the place to set that. But there was something you mentioned a few uh, that I want, a few minutes ago that I want to circle back to. You talked about like the American genre of writing. So in order to do that though, you would have to have more, let's say Americans, but I mean, we could probably say Westerners because you could probably throw, you know, other English speaking um, countries in here, not exactly Australian, New Yorkers, but still, you would have to have them know Israel the way you do. Um, and I don't know how many people there are that fall into that category and that can write well, because it's not just about the experiences mm. that you have. It's about being able to put it down on paper so that other people can wallow into that and really feel what mm. you felt. Like at mm. some points when I was reading the book, and I don't know if this is a fair question, I felt like, may, did you identify with your main character? Did you put a little of you into him? Um when you were writing this book again, the detective, we let's say, you know, the yeah, guy. yeah. So there's a yeah. Look, there's um, the 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 three detectives that who matter are um, uh, uh, an African guy about my age, let's say, an Israeli guy who's a little older than I am, and Israeli woman who is uh, about probably 15 years younger than I am. And so, yeah, there's a little bit of in all of them, and okay. also there's a little bit, I guess you could say, you could say a little bit of my aspiration in all of them, right? So, um, uh, you know, that's that's the that's the singular treat of writing fiction, is that you get to do You're whatever the, the hell master. you want to do. <laughs> yeah, you, right. know, you get to do it. It's like it's way better than like some kind of metaverse avatar crap. You know, it's like it's the real thing. You get to do it. Yeah. And, um, but but they're also a tapestry of 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 at least part you know part of the Israeli face of today and complexion of today and that's cool, mm-hmm. um, and and it is true it is true I, I I do pay very close attention to when I'm Israel in Israel I don't just do my business in surgical strike and leave um, I I busy myself with um, street corners and uh, alleyways and boulevards and thoroughfares and the byways and the highways I busy myself with listening to um 
the patter around me. I go to um, religious places and very secular places. I go to um, uh, places that are that are very lively and places that are very quiet. And mm-hmm. the good news about Israel is you have many of them, and there's a there's a high distillation concentration of those things in, for example, both Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. And, right. Um, and and I and I and I and I you know I, I mean I just fairly love it. That's the nature of it. And you I also think, understand I Hebrew, think, right? You understand and speak Hebrew. Which I, is, I understand a little bit of Hebrew. I, I wish my Hebrew yeah. were better than it is. I, I uh-huh. wish my Hebrew were better than it is. Um, and I can manage. I can manage some, but but no, I'm right. I, I'm not a Hebrew speaker. Um, mm-hmm. I hope I hope by the time we have our next interview, I will be. But I'm okay. not. Okay, we'll do it in Hebrew. <laughs> yeah, well, God bless that. Well, that's that's a real that's a real high bar for Hebrew. But um, yeah, I don't think my listeners would be yeah. too happy either. But okay, we can put up some. But, uh, but I have an aspiration. I have an aspiration. And um, and and to be sure, I do. By the way, I do speak other languages that are spoken on the streets of Tel Aviv, um, including some European languages and so forth. But mm-hmm. um, but no, I I'm not a Hebrew person, not yet. Um, but I'll say this. Um, I'll say this that that I, I I do think that I do think that the first project uh, of uh, that I, that I've embarked on as a as a kind of Zionist project the Zionist portion of what I'm of I'm undertaking with Hipset is to reset the discussion um, so that more people can start to perceive Israel as a place that is not a one issue place it's not a banana republic. Right. That is defined not in the case of bananas, not in the way of bananas, but in the case of a conflict. It's not right. If you mm-hmm. if you encounter if you encounter ninety nine percent of the people you encounter in a given week, it's the fifth or sixth thing on their list for the day, right? Maybe, maybe the fiftieth or sixtieth right. thing on their list for the day in Israel. Right. And and um, and and by the way, you know, it's sort of easy, facile, and at some point, I think lazy, though probably commercially useful. To to locate the, the the next book that you or next short story that someone writes as a reflection of kind of Romeo and Juliet in Judea and Samaria or mm-hmm. um, you know the 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 refused Nick son and the the very serious Zionist secular uh, father and the you know Balshuva mother like it's like right. it's just it just becomes tropic right it just becomes easy and tropic and. And what does it do for kind of anyone? It's like, imagine if every story that took place in Japan was just a samurai showdown. Like, just imagine if that was like the only thing they could do, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it would be, you know, <laughs> woefully inadequate, probably entertaining in some cases and, right. and true in some cases and beautiful in some cases, uh, but as a, as a, but woefully inadequate to describing pre-war Japan, post-war Japan, Edo Japan, right? Um, but unfortunately, and, most and, people and would think that that's Japan. And that's the problem when it comes to Israel is the lens that of the yeah, artists use cast Israel as very one-dimensional when it is so much, so much more than that. Yeah. You know, exactly. you'll appreciate knowing, you'll appreciate knowing that, that most of the readers of hips that so far, um, well, first of all, they've been women because for the, for, for better or worse, and I think for worse guys largely don't read anymore. Um, but, but, but thank God for the women who, who buy books and read books and, and so forth. Um, but most of the people who, read, yeah, most, yeah, most of the people who, most of the people who read novels are, are, are novels in particular are women. Um, but, but, but I hope that, I hope that one day will change. I hope we'll teach our sons to read more and, and encourage reading of, and all these things and, and make time for these things. 
But um, but thank God for the women buying the books uh, and the guys who buy the books. But I'll say this: most of the people who've read the book so far are women from um, from Europe, um, and they they are not Jewish and have never been to Israel. And the comments they have sent me, and the comments they've published on Goodreads and so forth, other places where they Goodreads has collected a lot of reviews, um, suggest show how much they feel transported into Israel and how interested they are in Israel. Wow. And how turned that on they are to Tel Aviv, and how much they want to go see it for themselves, right? You know, it, it went back in the day. J, the the James Bond movie of yesteryear was almost like, oh, now you now you see this exotic place called Istanbul or Moscow or whatever, because mm-hmm. right? he, he always goes to these places, right? And um, and or Jamaica, where you know where people weren't traveling at these times as much as they can now uh, with as much freedom, and 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 I think that the part of part of part of setting a book in a locale is to tell the story of that locale. If it's a real one, if it's a fictional locale, then whatever, but to tell the story of the locale very well and, and to paint a picture of it that's textured and useful and inviting to the reader so that they have a sense they wanna be there. And one of the, one of the biggest uh, sort of requiting features of, of publishing this book has, has been to see you know, German ladies and British ladies publish in English their comments and send me their emails saying, you know, now I want to see Israel. I've never been That's there. Great. I've always wanted to visit. Yeah. And, and they're not, there's no sense of anti-Zionism. There's no sense of anti-Semitism. It's curiosity. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's right. It's curiosity. Wow. What, a, what an interesting place to situate a novel. What an interesting place mm-hmm. to situate a detective story, right? It doesn't just have to be Paris in the forties or Rome in the fifties. It can be Tel Aviv right now. And, right. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's very, very, very cool. And, and if you're, it, it's definitely a Hamavin Yavin kind of a thing. Like if you, by the way, physically so as well, if you took off the dust jacket, which you may have, you'll notice there's a giant Magan David in silver right on the cloth cover, which Ooh, is- I'm doing that right now. Yeah, I yeah, see. yeah, you see it. Yeah, it's pretty, right? And it's, and there's a bit of a Hamavin Yavin thing for the book because for those people who know Israel and love it, there's something there for you. There's a music there for you. It's going to be, Good for the expert level. Yeah, but it's not a propaganda book. There's, it's no, no. A, not in the least. No no. no, 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 no. No, I mean, there's stuff that I read that was like painful. I mean, it was true, and I was like, oh, this is really not good. But it, that's the way no, it no. is. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second, just because I think I think we, we don't need to leave it all to mystery. So um, I wanted to situate the book um, in Israel, and I wanted I wanted the main voice. The voice is told. The, the, the story is told from the story of a, the perspective. The story is told from the perspective of. Um, a, an African guy who who came to Israel as a refugee before the Sudanese wave about 20 something years ago. And he has learned Hebrew and he's converting to Judaism and he wants to. Um, he wants to belong. He, 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 he wants to belong. That's right. And his civic mindedness and his, his, his capabilities have led him to become that kind of semi-official uh, African liaison to the Tel Aviv police and the mm-hmm. asylum unit specifically in the Tel Aviv police. And and I, I did not want the, 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 the story told from the vantage point of an insider Israeli. I wanted it to be told from the vantage point of an outsider who sort of belonged and sort of didn't because you could get an outsider looking in and kind of benefit all the benefits that come from that. You could comment on Israeli society, I think, more uh, authentically by having that one foot out of the, out of the doorway. Well, that's also um, your perspective because yeah. you just described yeah, yourself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's correctly, exactly right. Correctly so. And so... Um, Anyway, so the, you know, I, I I had read something as many of us have um, 
and then researched more on the topic of the Sudanese refugee situation. And it was a very interesting, it was a very interesting topic. And it's a topic where, 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 uh, you know, a lot of Israel's history and some of its understandable conflicts uh, are become visible because you have this vagabonded refugee population called the Jews, right? 2000 years of refugee status who have now made their, their home in Israel and who are protecting it and developing it very, very high cost. And then you have a, a non-Muslim, a Christian population from Sudan who are escaping Muslim oppression as well as dire poverty and so forth in a well-characterized, well-understood conflict in Sudan who cross the desert by foot, right? Sound familiar? Right. Cross Egypt by foot and Sinai by foot and show up in Israel as economic refugees and political refugees. And this causes great heartburn, but but not only does it cause heartburn and sometimes in some cases great sympathy and also in some cases great heartburn, it also shows when you when I researched it a very interesting fact of Israeli regulation and law, which is that when Israel was founded, laws were established because it was understood that they had to be established for the law of return for European Jews and others to show up in Israel and make Aliyah and become citizens. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was one technology of law. And there was another technology of law to handle difficult questions of Israeli-born Arabs and Jerusalem-born Arabs and Palestinians and so forth. And we can agree or disagree as to whether it was done perfectly, but there was a lot of thought put into it, a lot of thought put mm -hmm. into it. But guess what? Pretty much nobody else in the world wanted to go to Israel. <laughs> and, it never occurred to and at the, that we would right, become yeah. place of asylum for anybody else. Like this was your last stop. If you were getting chased by anti-Semites or you were getting thrown out of Iraq by the Muslims or whatever it was, you came to Israel because you had no other place to go. It never occurred right. to me. It's kind of it taken a while to realize people actually want to come and live here for a host of reasons, which are legit. It is an amazing country. It took a while for that to, to trickle in. Absolutely true. And, 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 and building on top of that, right, it was so unconsidered. It was so unthought of. It was so, not, it was so off the radar that there was no legal way to cognize an economic or political refugee who is not Jewish or somehow otherwise connected to the Palestinian population or Israeli Arab population. There was no legal mechanism. They just forgot to do it because it had never come up. And then Israel starts to become an economic success story starting in roughly 2000, maybe 1995, whatever, whatever date you want to pick it. But in the last 20, 25 years, Israel has become a first world country on in many areas, in many parts. And the tech right next to Africa. Where there aren't well, okay, all that okay. many. Yes. If you're looking for economic upward mobility and escaping economic and political and, and, and racial and uh, religious oppression, you might think about Israel. And so and so a bunch of these guys showed up in Israel, the Sudanese, who are, and they and there was just no what there's no there was no way to handle them or process right. them technically. And so they showed up in this kind of limbo. And and I thought, I thought, wow, what an interesting relatively small, it's a small population, but what a very interesting way into Israel today mm -hmm. and, and a lens into Israel today and the questions that arises raises for Israel today. And Israel, this country that is so empathetic and so sympathetic to the plight of others that we send, that Israel sends, you know, it's, it's scant resources to the far nations of the earth to help Muslims and Hindus and Christians and Orthodox right. and uh, tsunamis, and earthquakes, and whatever, the rest of right? they're, always, they're always on the scene right, to help, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, always on the scene, and 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 yet, you know, you know, gee, they show up, and is there a little bit of nimbyism? Well, it's only human nature. There's a little bit of this, yes, 
And then, and then I said, okay, what if I could situate the, the, the story, this first story, the story in the, in the midst of this tension and not in the, the Israeli Arab, Israeli Palestinian, Jewish Palestinian tension. And so that's what I did. And, and it's very much a story of now. It's very much a story of the last 10 years and the next, you know, next few years, whatever it is. Um, and, and that was my way into it. And also it's very much in Tel Aviv, right? It's in South Tel Aviv. So um, it, it worked out as a, as a way in for me and, and a way to tell these stories. And then I was able to explore these neighborhoods with some intimacy and then reflect that in Hipset in a way that I hope, I hope lands well for the reader. I definitely think that it will work to get the book. Where is the book available? Oh, oh you know, it, it's very easy to get it on Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. Um, and, it's, and it's only in hardcover. Mm -hmm. um, but it's uh, it's uh, it's a delightful book to to hold, <laughs> um, and uh, and also by the way, um, you know I won't give out my my email uh, on this on this broadcast. But what I can say to you is this: that any of your listeners uh, who wish to get in contact with me through you or your office, uh, if you receive those inquiries, you should put them in touch with me. I I take very seriously. I don't always, uh, I'm not always able to do it, but take very seriously the job of, 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 of speaking directly with my readers and emailing with them and so forth. And, um, and I'm very happy to answer further questions. I, I take it very seriously, but I think you'll love it. And just right, yeah, Amazon's the best place for, if you're in Israel or America, probably Amazon's the best place to buy it. Okay, and I highly recommend then book in one question and then I'll let you go to sleep. I don't even know what time it is where you are, um, but it's, the sun is not coming up anytime soon, but it's set a long no. time ago. Um, yep. Your kids, have you brought them to Israel? They're familiar with the country? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very much so. Uh, brought them to Israel and we've had a great day and they love it. And they, they go to a Jewish school and they, and they have been, you know, uh, asking to go back to Kotel and, and, and in a, in a, a small piece of a small example of, of, of one of the many more serious, uh, you know, many and large tragedies that have befallen us in the, in the, in the time of coronavirus all across the world. And this is a very small example. We in fact were ticketed to spend Sukkot in oh. uh, Israel just a few weeks ago. And, and, and unfortunately, um, you know, because the kids are too little to be quarantined, to, to, to be vaccinated, they were going to have right. to spend a week or so out of two weeks in quarantine and department. So it just wasn't fair. So we canceled it. And I kept trying to tell all my Israeli friends to, to go, to go email their MKs and say, look, Jews travel with their kids. Let us back in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. But, but there was this sort of, this sort of, uh, adamancy. And I, I dare, I say, dare I say perhaps even a little bit of hysteria um, about it. And, and, and anyway, we hope to come next year as soon as the, these curtains are lifted a bit um, and, uh, and, and, and they love Israel and it's, and it's our, it's our, it's our, so far in their lives, it's been, it's been their primary international destination though. They're, they're pretty well-traveled kids. They're lucky kids. I'm not sure they understand that yet, but <laughs> one day I hope they will they figure don't. out how lucky they are. <laughs> they don't. Well, as they get older, you'll make sure that they realize it. No, they'll see it for themselves. I know my kids did that. You know what you know. And only when you get out there, do you realize yeah, yeah. Um, how lucky you are. Yeah. My kids they, felt they it. They go to a school. So, yeah. yeah, they go to Jewish school and they study, you know, one of them is doing the synagogue art project and the other ones, uh, you know, doing the story of Joseph and the story of this. And so. Um, and Palo Alto and, has to be a pretty nice place to spend your childhood. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We, we, you know, we slept outside in the sukkah and we, we did it. They had a, we, we all had a ball in the end and no one should feel sorry for us. But we have been the first. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Exactly. Um, the day after. 
the second week after my wife's second shot, I got, I got my shot like two days before she did. And she got her two days after I, just in case we were a little bit put out by, it, we want right. to make sure, sure one of us is on call. Right. So we staggered it by like two, three days. This, the day after the second week expired after her second shot is when we bought tickets to Israel. That's how high of a priority wow. it was for us. It was the highest priority we could think of. It was the day after we got to this, you know what? The verdicts are going to Israel. And then we ticketed, we got the place, we got the apartment, we got the hotel room, we got the thing, we had the you know right. itinerary to Jerusalem as well as Tel Aviv. And then we had to cancel it a few days in advance because we just couldn't, we just was not. It's been a rough year and a half. And speaking as a tour guide from the other side of it. So now, now people are writing to me and things are starting to fill in. So it looks like the light is in the tunnel. Hopefully, hopefully everybody should just be well and no other waves or anything like that. Okay. Michael Furtick, author of Hipset. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Eve Harrell. What a pleasure. And um, I'm Yisrael Five. Amen. Take care. All right. And everybody who's listening, you also take care. And many thanks to Ben and to Tabitha for putting this show out every week. Eve Harrow broadcasting from Israel. Be well, everybody. Goodbye for now. Hi, this is Josh Haston, host of Israel Uncensored here on the Land of Israel Network. Tune in every Monday to hear the latest news coming from Israel, plus interviews with top Israeli politicians, media personalities, and activists all doing their part to counter anti-Israel propaganda and BDS. Don't miss a minute. Be sure to stream or download all of the amazing programming from our wide range of hosts here at the Land of Israel Network on thelandofisrael.com.